When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Happy Saturday. Welcome to our weekend edition of the Everything Medicare podcast. Today is April the 13th. Again, like I said, on a Saturday. And um, I am your host, Christian Brindle, where every single week I bring you at least a couple of podcasts um, from myself as well as my company, Christian Brindle Insurance Services, where we work with people on Medicare in different parts of the country. And um, we bring you a podcast every single week where we discuss your Medicare, your Medicaid, your Social Security, and everything that has to do with that golden age called retirement. So before I jump into the topic for today, I wanted to quickly um, give you a, a little bit of information on what's to come. I have been working with different people that I know in the insurance industry to bring you guys some more interviews so that way you can hear a different perspective than mine um, on some possible future episodes, including some of my early mentors in the insurance industry, people that have known me and I've known them for many, many years. Um, the, the reason why that they're not coming to you sooner is because some of you might already know my wife, Stormy, um, my, my, my lovely wife, is pregnant, and um, she could give birth any day now. Um, it's going to be sometime in the next two weeks, maybe even as far as a month out, and um, I have to be on call for her um, to provide my, my ambulance service, if you will, <laughs> to get her to the hospital to give birth whenever the time comes where she does go into labor. And I just, I can't commit to any type of scheduling to do these interviews. And I just don't want to put anyone in a position where they make a plan for me and I'll be blowing them off. Um, because it could be, it could come at any time and the unpredictability about, of it has made it to where it's, it's been very difficult for me to make scheduled meetings like that to interview the people that I want to interview, and I just don't want to waste their time. Um, we're planning on, after the, after, the, um, after the baby's born, that we're going to have a lot of interviews coming your way. Uh, my, my dad, my father, Bob Brindle, has um, kind of sort of agreed to do one, and I thought that would be a really, really interesting in, um, episode and interview because my dad is the one that brought me into the insurance industry. My dad is someone that I grew up around the insurance in industry because of it. And he's seen so much. I mean, imagine the healthcare industry as a whole, how much it's changed since the late 80s, early 90s, since he first got involved. And, you know, we're talking about someone who's got near, you know, roughly 30 years of experience working in the Medicare and insurance industry. And I thought he would be able to give a tremendous amount of insight. Um, he's just one of many people that I have lined up that once the baby's born, we're going to be giving you um, more of these interviews because we did do one previously 
and um, you guys reacted very strongly to it. And so I'm going to try to give you a lot more. And I just want you to know that there's a reason why they haven't been coming. It's not that we don't have people to interview. We have unlimited people to interview and, and perspectives to bring you. But due to the timing conflicts with the baby coming any day and me being there for my wife and I want to be there for the birth of my child and um, I really hope you guys understand and I just appreciate your patience with all this stuff. But for now, I'm just going to be bringing you podcast episodes that strictly come from me and my brain and my perspective. So today, I wanted to talk about an article that came out from the Washington Post yesterday on the 12th, on April 12th. And it had to do, I'm going to read you the title of it. It has to do with United Healthcare and kind of um, what their reactions have been, their stance and their actions to push back against a possible Medicare for all bill. I'm going to read you the title of the article um, in quotes. We've done a lot more than you would think how the healthcare industry is working to pull Democrats away from Medicare for all. Okay, this is not a political podcast. This is not a political show that I'm bringing you. By no means do I ever intend it to be that, ever. Let me get one thing straight here. And I have never, ever revealed my political views and my beliefs on this podcast. None of you know where I lie politically. And it's going to stay that way because that's not what this podcast is about. The only reason why I've talked about this in the past and why I'm talking about it now is because it's relevant Medicare news about what's going on in the industry. It's something that we have to talk about. It's something that we really just can't ignore um, as much as I'd like to. It's not something that I primarily enjoy talking about because I know not everyone is going to agree with what I say about it, and some people will agree, some people will disagree. The last thing I want to do is alienate the audience. By no means is that my intention here, but this is something that is incredibly relevant and in the news all the time surrounding the Medicare world and the Medicare industry. I can't ignore it. I have to address it. I don't have much of a choice. So that being said, let's continue with the article. It's talking about mainly United Healthcare, the United Health Group, and kind of their reaction to what has been going on with, you know, um, presidential candidates and different people in the government that have been pushing for a bill that would bring Medicare for all. If you don't know what Medicare for all is, The way it's been described by those who want to pass it are it would be um, socialized medicine is what it would be. So take all the private insurance companies out of the picture. You couldn't get coverage through them unless you're getting some kind of ancillary product, I would imagine. Just I don't know that to be a fact. I'm just speculating. But it would basically make it to where everyone got health care, free health care, I should say, from the government. There would be no out-of-pocket. It would be free, um, similar system to what Canada has or Malaysia. I bring up Malaysia because I've been to Malaysia. Um, 
And essentially, it's had problems everywhere it's been done from, from my research and what I've been able to gather. Not don't, Please don't bite my head off if you disagree with me on that. But there are problems with it. It's, it, it is what it is. Um, first of all, the projections that have come out for Medicare for All, I'm not going to talk about this too much, but the projections that have come out for Medicare for All have been estimated that over a 10-year span, it would add $32 trillion to our deficit, which is less than that total right now. It would, I believe that it would be a horrible thing for our economy. Not only would it hurt the economy because the health insurance industry is a thriving industry. Um, there's a lot of jobs that would be ended. A lot of people have, that have jobs in the insurance industry, whether it be in customer service, someone like myself, um, you know, people that work for insurance companies. Um, a lot of companies would just either cease to exist or they'd have to change dramatically to do something else. And um, that being said, let's get back into the article. Okay, so we're talking about United Healthcare. Okay, so I'm going to read you a little bit of this article, and I'm going to post this article on our Facebook page and Twitter page. Okay, um, so go to Christian Brindle Insurance Services on Facebook and see underscore e underscore Brindle b r i n d l e um, on Twitter if you'd like to see the article. I'm going to post it in those places once we're done here. So. This is what the art, how the article begins. At a company town hall meeting in late February, a United Healthcare executive assured employees that the private health insurance giant was indeed working to undercut support for democratic democratic lawmakers' push for Medicare for all. But the company, he said, is trying to tread lightly. One of the things you said were really quiet or it seems like we're quiet, um, we've done a lot more than you think. Chief Executive Steve Nelson said in response to an employee's question about the company's role in a Medicare for All debate, according to a video of his remarks obtained by the Washington Post, you want to be kind of thoughtful about how you show up and have these kind of conversations because the last thing you want to do is become a poster child during a political campaign. Completely understand where he's coming from there. Um, The remarks come amid a broader push from the health insurance industry to prevent legislation to enact Medicare for All from getting off the ground, including by trying to direct Democrats toward more um, centrist efforts and reject plans that would effectively legislate many of the companies out of existence. So basically what that means to me is United Healthcare is fighting back. I mean, United Healthcare, okay, first before I go any further, let's put this into perspective who United Healthcare is. United Healthcare is the is the largest provider of Medicare branded insurance programs, whether it be Medicare supplements, whether it be Medicare Advantage plans in the country. They are a Fortune 500 company. They're number 22 on the Fortune 500 list. They are a humongous company. It was estimated that they did about $17 billion in revenue in 2018. United Healthcare has been one of the fastest growing companies in history. Um, 
and they are absolutely a giant. They are a force. They're a whale in the health insurance industry. Um, I've dealt with them a lot personally as an independent third-party agency owner. Um, I've, you know, marketed their products. I've worked with their products. I've worked with the company. Um, And just because of the nature of the podcast, it being educational, I'm not going to give you any insight about my opinion on them. I can't do it. Um, Because it would look like I'm recommending one company over another. But they're a huge company. They are probably the most influential company as far as their ability to kind of block this thing or, you know, swing the tide one way or another. Their influence is humongous. And they're not the only company. The article continues to go on to say that um, Blue Cross Blue Shield and basically all the Blue Cross Blue Shields coming together because there are many different ones, and AHIP, which AHIP is a a Medicare training company, but they do other things as well, um, have also joined their efforts in kind of pushing back against this. Stay with me into segment two, and I'll tell you kind of what this means for you and all of us. Stay tuned. Welcome back, folks, to segment two of this week's Everything Medicare podcast. Okay, so we're talking about this Washington Post article where basically, you know, they they kind of unveil a little bit of United Healthcare's efforts to kind of, I don't want to say block, but really, you know, block or swing the tide or influence um, a Medicare for all bill passing. Basically, folks, what this would mean for us what it means for you. And like I said in segment one, I don't want to talk about this. This really isn't something that I enjoy discussing or I really feel comfortable putting out there my feelings about it. But I don't really I don't really feel like I have a choice. How can I have a Medicare um, a Medicare podcast show, whatever you want to call what we do here, and I don't talk about the biggest story going on in the Medicare world? I mean, it's just, it doesn't work like that. I just, I don't have a choice. I have to discuss this. So, in, in, in short, what Medicare for All would mean for us, to basically with the description that we've had, okay, so let's first talk about Medicare in general. Before I jump into that, I'll come back to it. Medicare in general is a system where People pay into Medicare their entire working lives. So let's say the average person, some people are going to work more, some people are going to work less, but let's say the average person works 40 years in their lifetime, you know, a full-time job, a career, let's say, and they pay into FICA. FICA is for Medicare and Social Security, FICA taxes throughout their life. So 40 years, and like I said, some people pay less, you know, because to qualify for Medicare in general, you have to work for 10 years of your life. But most people will work a lot more. I mean, they don't just cut you off at year 10 or year 11, excuse me. Um, they keep taking the FICA taxes. So there's, there's some people that work less than, the, than, than 40 years, of course. Some people work 10 years of their life, 15 years of their life. Let's say they, you know, let's say a situation where, you know, a spouse marries another spouse and they're very well off and one of the spouses doesn't need to work. It's very common. There's nothing wrong with that. But 
a lot of people that 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 balance gets made up because there's people that work longer than 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. Um, or they just don't stop working. They just work their whole lives and they pay into FICA taxes. That being said, and not only that, that pays for Medicare Part A. Medicare Part B still costs a premium that pretty much every single person pays for and they pay at least $135.50 a month this year in 2019. Some people pay more if they have a dramatically higher income. And that just is what it is, you know. Um, so they're getting all this revenue for Medicare, and yet still, yet still, Medicare is in the red. And it's projected to continue going into the red. So let's think about this. What, what's being proposed here, we can't afford the Medicare system as it is now. Now, they can make some changes. They can correct what the, what's going on here. doesn't mean that it's not going to work long term. They can correct some things. I mean, part of the problem is they've taken funding out for Medicare to fund the Affordable Health Care Act. That's part of the problem, not the only problem. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not trying to turn this into a political thing because this isn't, this isn't a political thing. This is just numbers. Medicare for all would basically take away people paying into FICA tax. I mean, that would basically go away. They'd stop getting that revenue for, you know, let's say on average 30, 40 years from a person to fund this thing. And people would stop paying premium into it in the form of Medicare Part B. The idea is they'd tax the bejeebus out of all of us. All of us. And they say, you know, we'll tax tax the rich people 90% of their income or something like that. Let's think about this for a second. For years, 100 years, maybe longer, the rich in this country have found ways around paying taxes legally, successfully, I might add. And whether you agree with it or disagree with it is irrelevant. It's not my point. The point is it happens and they don't do anything illegal to do that. They use the tax code to run their money through corporations or do this or do that. And they find a way out of paying taxes. I mean, a lot of rich people pay little to no taxes, at the very least, they pay smaller percentage in taxes than, you know, someone that makes minimum wage. You really think that they won't be able to find a way around increasing to 90% income? I mean, if what's to stop them from just finding another place to live? I mean, I don't think this is such an easy solution to just have the rich pay for it. And even if they did, I've seen plenty of projections, you can see them too, that's, that show if you took every penny from, from the one percenters in this country, if you took all their income, you just stripped them, you took everything they had, they threw them out on the street, it still wouldn't be enough to fund Medicare for all. So let's think about this. It's not going to work like they're saying, in my opinion. The health care industry in this country is not perfect. I am more than willing to admit that, and I'm well aware. But I do not believe that this is the answer. 
Do there need to be alterations? Sure. Do we need to correct some things? Absolutely. How do we do that? I'm not sure. I would like to think that people smarter and more equipped to make those decisions than I would be doing that. I just don't believe this is the answer. And it's pretty obvious, in my opinion, that it's not the answer. So you might look at it and say these massive insurance companies are banding together and pushing back against this because, you know, they don't want to go to business, they're greedy, blah, blah, blah. I personally believe that for some of them that might be part of the case, but it also could be that, you know, they have thousands of employees that demand to rely on their paycheck to be put out of work. And I believe also it's not the answer, and I think this is a good thing that's going on. Because I don't believe this is going to end well if this does end up the way it is. I, st- I, I told you a statistic in my episode about Medicare for All. And I'm, I'm not going to make another podcast about this. Guarantee it. Because I don't like talking about this and I get a lot of backlash from you, the audience. Because you don't want to hear it. You don't, you don't listen to this to hear about stuff you see on the news. Like I said, I feel like I don't have a choice to talk about it because it's involving Medicare. It has a lot to do with Medicare. Medicare, as we know, would change dramatically if this passed. Everything that I go over with you on this podcast is irrelevant if this passes. doesn't matter. doesn't mean anything. I, feel, I, I understand. I'm not going to talk about this again unless something dramatically changes, but I felt like I had to talk about it today. But like I said, I I read a statistic, and this is just one country, but we'll use Canada for example. Last year in 2018, 60,000 plus Canadians left their their country to to get health care in America. 60,000. They they turned down their free health care to come here so they could pay for health care. Why would they do that? Because... What this type of system does is it forms lists, waiting lists, that people have to get on a waiting list. They wait for the waiting list. They wait their turn. Sometimes it could be months, six months, a year. Some people will die in that time period. There's a lot of problems with this. Some people can't wait. I mean, what do you do? I mean, 60,000 Canadians turned down free health care and came here to our system, who's suppo- and we're trying to adopt their system, and they come here to use our system because they find it better. They don't want their system. That's why they come here to get their health care. It's just something to think about. Don't have to agree with me. Please don't slaughter me with your responses. And like I said, I won't talk about this again. Stay with me in segment three. Welcome back, folks, to segment three of this week's Everything Medicare podcast. And um, like I said, folks, we won't be discussing this again because I know it's not something you want to hear. I get it. I hesitated agreeing to do this episode this week about this topic. I felt like it was too important, though. 
to not talk about. I felt like I was doing you a disservice not to bring it up. If you go to our, like I said at the first segment, if you go to our social media pages, I will send, I will send out, I will post, tweet, whatever, um, out this, the link to this story, this article, if you'd like to read more of it yourself, the Washington Post, um, and I will continue to bring you podcast episodes Mondays and Saturdays, even despite this time period where my wife is going to give birth pretty much any day. So I just wanted to let you know. Um, I'm sure you might have been wondering that in segment one where I was explaining what's going, going on going forward. I'm going to continue to bring you episodes, but it's going to just be me. It's just too hard to coordinate with a guest. That being said, I dramatically am grateful and appreciate every single one of you that listen to us every single week. You make what we do worth it. Um, We're trying to spread a message of awareness and education about this topic that just really is more difficult than it needs to be. Not only that, the information to make it simple just isn't out there. And for whatever reason, who knows? I have my suspicions and I've talked about them in the past, but I'm not going to bore you with what I believe. Um, Not today, anyway. Follow us on social media, folks. Um, And Christian Brindle Insurance Services. And we will be always bringing you more information as they come available. Thank you so much for listening. And I will be back with you on Monday. Have a great rest of your weekend. Bye-bye.